G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. Whatever it is in your life, if you choose to conceal, it will always bring death. As a matter of fact, concealing is like drowning. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello, my name is Bill. Welcome and thanks for joining us here on Today with Jeff Vines. In this message, we're continuing our series on the life of David and what we can learn from his failings. The consequences for covering up sin and wrongdoing will always come out eventually, as we see in today's passage from 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 20. And just a warning for anyone with young ears listening, there's some adult content in these verses. Let's hear from Pastor Jeff now on Today with Jeff Vines. All right. Hey, I'm glad you're here. Turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 16. 2 Samuel 16, verse 20. And I'll get there just in a few moments. When our series on the life of David, a few years ago, I decided to take the family on one of those vacations over to Massanutten, Virginia. Uh, we, we decided to go tubing down the Shenandoah River. And it seemed like a good idea at the time. What we didn't know is that the Shenandoah River had experienced three straight years of drought. So the white water wasn't very white. And they still put us in the tubes because they'll take your money. Oh yeah, they will take your money. And we got in these tubes and it was supposed to be like two and a half hours of just kind of some fun and following the current and then uh, ending with about 20 minutes of just rapids going down and just the, the thrill, the excitement and all that. Well, we get out in the river and Sian and I are together. She's a little bit smaller at this point and we're going nowhere fast. I mean, there's no current, barely a current. And we said, man, it's going to take us forever to get down to the falls. That's why we're here. So we start paddling. And then it was okay for the first hour. And then after about an hour, that's like, man, I'm tired. She was tired. I don't know if it was the heat or just the fatigue of paddling, but we fell asleep, both of us. Just fell asleep on the river, okay, in the big tube. When we woke, we woke up because the stench was unbearable. We had drifted over to the banks of the Shenandoah River, and there was a dead cow right beside us when we woke up. And, and we were in, I don't know how else to say it, dung up to our armpits. And the smell woke us up, and Sion, smaller and not uh, extremely educated at this point, said, Dad, what is that? I said, oh, sweetheart, it's nothing. Let's just kind of get out of here, though. So we start paddling, paddling, and finally we get back into this little flow, and it took us about another hour and a half before we got down to the falls. Here's the point I want to make. Folks, 
if, if you're not paddling, you're drifting. There, there's no holding pattern with God. And it's so easy for us to come in here and to say, how could David do what he did with Bathsheba? And what I've tried to say to you and me is the seeds of atrocities are in every single one of us. And if we drift farther and farther away from God, because you're either going to him or away from him, no holding pattern, that you'll find yourself sooner or later in all kinds of muck up to your armpits. And then you'll be able to do something and commit an act that you never thought possible would ever come from you. Because when you're drifting and you find yourself in the muck, the thing about manure is it makes great fertilizer. And the seeds of those atrocities begin to grow in you when you're drifting away from God. And given the right soil and the right water and the right circumstances, those seeds will explode in growth and you will be able to commit an atrocity you never thought you were capable of. So before you're too hard on David and you say, how could David, a man after God's own heart, a man who slayed Goliath, a man who would not offer God anything that didn't cost him something. How could that guy covet a man's wife, commit adultery with the man's wife, kill the man and lie to cover it up? Half the 10 commandments right there. How could he do it? Because the same seeds of atrocity in you and me resided in David and David made this huge just atrocity because he wasn't paddling anymore. He stopped paddling. Now the key for you and me today is okay, sooner or later, even pastors, especially pastors, you come to a point in your life, a season where you stopped paddling. That happens to all of us. But the real question, and the reason I divided this up into two parts is because what do you do then? When you find yourself in the muck and you've done something, think about it. Can you remember a time in your life when you did something really bad? What did you do? Was your first response, it was me, I'm it. No, it was to hide, right? Adam and Eve hid from God. Moses, when he killed the Egyptian, the Bible says he looked this way and that. Is anybody watching? The first gut level reaction is to cover it up. And I wanna dedicate the whole morning, these next 20 minutes, 25, 30, 40, whatever, is that you would come clean and recognize that whatever it is in your life, if you choose to conceal, it will always bring death. As a matter of fact, concealing is like drowning. You know what happens when you're drowning? At first, you're a little uncomfortable. And then you realize, I might die. And then you start what? Flopping your arms and hands everywhere, doing whatever it takes, doing whatever it takes to just survive. And then somebody comes along and tries to help you. And what do you do to them? You pull them under and kill them too. It's only when the lifeguard comes around and smacks you in the jaw and knocks you out that he can pull you to safety. And God, for many of you, I hope today, will knock you out and wake you up and get you to submit and help you to understand that if you choose the route of concealing, no matter what it is, it will always end a disaster. Do you know what David loses, folks? Here's his lost list that we haven't mentioned. He lost his firstborn son, his secondborn th son, his thirdborn uh, son, Absalom, which is his favorite. I know none of you parents have favorites. He did Absalom. He lost his kingdom, his reputation, all of it gone. And not as a result of the sin he committed with Bathsheba, but a direct result of trying to cover it up. And the reason I'm going to hammer this, folks, this one theme right here is the center of all neurosis. Anything in your life, we wonder why we're depressed. We wonder why we're sad. We wonder why we've lost our vitality. We don't know what's wrong with us, but we know there's a fracture of the soul. Most of it 
can be traced back to something in your life that you're not dealing with. And it's God's built-in mechanism to wake you up. So if, if I'm right then, if I'm right that concealing is the way to death and confession is the way to life, why then do most of us, because most of us do, if statistics are right, 99.9% of us, Conceal rather than to confess. Three reasons, quickly. Rapid fire in your bulletin, number one. We conceal because we want zero consequences. We think if we hide, no one will ever know. There are two major problems with this. What are they? Number one, somebody always knows. Now, let me take you a part of the story that you probably never heard before. Stay with me. It's gonna be intriguing, and I hope it'll open your eyes. Do you remember who David's favorite son was? We just said Absalom, because Absalom was like David. And part of David wanted Absalom one day to take the kingdom, even though he wasn't the firstborn. But Absalom grew to just despise his father, David, because after David commits the sin with Bathsheba, he develops a whole pattern in his life. You know what the pattern is? Conceal, cover up, and deny. It becomes the way of life. So that when Absalom's sister, Tamar, has this encounter with his brother, Absalom's brother, Amnon, Amnon is physically attracted to his own sister, becomes infatuated with her, pretends that he's sick, knowing that Tamar will come in and nurse him back to health. And when the door is closed, Amnon rapes his own sister. I told you the Bible wasn't a book about good people. I stopped looking surprised. It gets a lot worse than that. So Tamar going through this, being close to Absalom, Absalom is livid. And he sits back and waits for his father, King David. What are you going to do? Where's justice in your kingdom? And David does nothing. Hides it, conceals it, does not confront it. Absalom gets so disappointed in his father, the king, that he decides he's going to take over the kingdom and become king. But he knows he needs help because David is powerful. So you know what he does? He finds this man by the name of Ahithophel. Ahithophel has been David's most trusted advisor during his entire reign. He knows if he can get Ahithophel to betray David at the right moment in time, that Absalom then will be strong enough to gather all of Ahithophel's people and they will overthrow the king. Do you know who Ahithophel is? Let me read to you in chapter 16 of 2 Samuel, verse 20. Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give us your advice because Ahithophel has been a great advisor to King David. What should we do? In other words, how can we overthrow this kingdom? Ahithophel answered. Now look at this answer. Tell me you're not suspicious. Sleep with your father's concubines whom he left to take care of the palace. Then all Israel will hear that you have made yourself obnoxious to your father. Yep, that'll do it. That'll work. And the hands of everyone will, with you will be more resolute. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof. Does that sound familiar? What happened last time we were talking about somebody on the roof and he slept with his father's concubine in the sight of all Israel. Absalom did that to his father on the roof of the palace. Ahithophel, David's most trusted advisor, betrays David when it mattered most. Now, would you like to know who Ahithophel is? You won't find it. It's not explicitly stated. You have to know something about the genealogy. Ahithophel is Bathsheba's grandpa. You think he hasn't been waiting for this moment for a long time. Think about it. What happened to his granddaughter on the roof? Oh, I'm going to show David. I know what happened. See, what happens is when you're covering up, you just get real stupid. You think nobody else knows. And the people who know are just waiting. 
They're just waiting for the opportune time to bring you down. The second thing is, the reason we can sell, or not the second thing, but rabbit trail number two, the reason the consequences will come is because God is not mocked. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. In other words, there, there's a cause and effect in the universe God made. If you violate his law, consequences are gonna come. Even though God will forgive you, he's not gonna take away the ramifications. All the confessing in the world is not gonna change the fact that Bathsheba is now pregnant and David's gotta deal with it. I'm not saying that by confessing, there will be no consequences. I'm saying that by confessing, you're gonna severely minimize the damage. Now, let me take a rabbit trail from the rabbit trail. It's like Murphy's Law. You say, what? Pastor Jeff's gonna talk about Murphy's Law? I can't believe, you know Murphy's Law, right? It's the law that asks the question, if you have a peanut butter sandwich for lunch and the peanut butter sandwich falls off your plate, what are the odds of it landing face down on the carpet? And Murphy's Law says, the odds will be in direct proportion to the expense of the carpet. The more expensive the carpet, the more likely the sandwich to drop face down. And I like to say it depends on how hungry you are. If you're starving, I can guarantee that peanut butter sandwich is going to fall face down on the carpet. That's Murphy's Law. Now, here's the thing about the ramifications of concealing something that you've done in the past. They come do the consequences at the worst possible time, right? As you're in the verge of success, you finally got that job. You got that promotion. You got the girl. You finally got your life together. And just when everything's about to be perfect, boom, somebody's got the goods on you. Ask any politician. (laughs) And you think nobody knew. Oh, they knew. They're just saving it. But cover up also means something else. It's more drastic, spiritually speaking. There are many of you in the room that God wants to use to a great degree. He does, man. He looks at you and he says, man, I'm going to use you. I'm going to give you talents and more talents. You've been faithful with a little bit. I'm going to give you more. But he can't. And the reason he can't is because he knows you've got something that you're hiding, that you won't confess and deal with. And he knows if he builds his kingdom up around you and you're the face to the place, that the time will come at that most crucial period when the kingdom's about to explode and really take off, he knows that somebody has the goods on you and they're gonna bring it and everything he spent your lifetime building will all come falling down. I'm not saying that the consequences won't come if you confess, but I'm saying that you can minimize the damage if you'll just come clean with God. There's a second reason that we conceal rather than confess. We conceal because of pride and self-preservation. You think about it. What do we care most about? What people think about us. Come on, you know that's true. I remember when I was in high school, we're going over to Kingsport, Tennessee to play our crosstown rivals. My dad never put pressure on me in a game, never. But this time he did. He said, son, you know, you're playing in front of my old high school basketball coach, Buck Van Hus. I mean, the whole stadium was named after him. I've told him all about my son and all the Vines family. They're gonna be there, so I'm not putting any pressure. You know, let's, let's, let's play the best game possible. I gotta tell you, it was the worst game of my life. <laughs> The hoop became the size of about a bear aspirin. There's no way that ball is going to fit through there. I couldn't make any shots. It was a disaster. 10 minutes into the game, I got a really bad attitude, which didn't happen to me very often. But this time, it came out in full force. I just got depressed. You ever, has that ever happened to you? Just of all the dismal failure, I just convinced myself, man, this is worthless. I can't do it. It's just a bad night. And I'd come over, and the head coach would see this look in my eyes, and he'd say, come on, Jeff, you're the captain. We need you. We need you. Just put the pass behind you. Let's go but I just couldn't do it. 
It came to the end of the game when I had a chance to win the game for us, but just the attitude was wrong. The effort was not there. Dismal failure. And I walked off the court with my head hanging low. And who was there to meet me? Big coach Eddie Carver, who took his finger, pointed into my sternum and said those three words, vines, you stink. (laughs) You got no intestinal fortitude, man. You're a gutless wonder. The measure of your gutlessness is surprising. And now what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to go home. No, you're not. You're going to march into that locker room and you're going to confess to your teammates that you care more about yourself than you do the team. Ooh, he was right. But there was no way I was going to do that. No way I'm going to tell my team and let them know that I'm a self-absorbed narcissist. I don't care about them. No, forget that because most of us, we don't confess. We conceal because we want people to like us and we're afraid if we tell them what we, what we really are and what we've really done, that we won't have their friendship anymore. Let me just tell you something. Here's what you learned past 40. It takes a while. Here's what you learn. Any friend of yours that when you confess what you've done in the past, who walks away, they were never your friend to begin with. They were only in it for self-interest. As a matter of fact, if you want to sift out your bad friends from your good ones, go out and commit some really bad sin. Now, don't do that. Don't do that. But if you commit a bad sin, you come and confess it. Right away, you'll discover who's really in your corner and who is not. And when I committed that sin that I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, my dad was there, but I only had one friend who came to me and said, his name was Timothy. He came to me and said, Jeff, you did the right thing. I'm here for you, man. I'm going to help you through this. And together we will conquer what we have to face. We conceal because we care more about what people think about us than God. And pride and self-preservation stops us from doing the right thing. And then third, here's the big one. We really believe, the reason we conceal rather than confess... We really believe the lie that deceit and sin are the best antidotes for deceit and sin. Got it? We really believe that deceit and sin are the best antidotes for deceit and sin. Now, this is amazing to me. We really think if we just keep stacking up the lies, now think about, how does this math work? We think if we just keep stacking up the lies, lie and deceit, lie and deceit, cover up, cover up. We think if we just keep doing that, sooner or later, we'll get right back around to the beginning where we started. How does that work? Now, I want to say something here that is the most profound thing you've heard probably ever in your life. It's worth your coming today. I'm going to pose it as a question and give you the answer. If you stack manure up, what do you get? Bigger piles of manure. How profound is that? Courtesy of Michigan State University. For your viewing pleasure, this is what you get. If you stack it and stack it, it doesn't go away. You don't come around to the beginning again as if nothing happened. You just get bigger piles of manure. And David lost so much. But really, at the end of the day, what impacted him more than anything else was he lost his relationship with God. A wedge came in between he and his maker. And he writes, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. He says, for day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the summer heat. Have you ever been back summer in the east? And when it's 100 degrees and 100% humidity and walked in that and been thankful and got down on your knees and kissed the fact that you're from California? Right? Have you ever done that? I mean, that happened to me a couple of weeks ago in Naples, Florida. It was 95 and 95% humidity. I went out and tried to hit some balls on the driving range for a half an hour. I thought I was going to pass out. I came in, I was all shaky. I thought I was having a heart attack. It just zaps your energy. David says, 
The worst thing about concealing is that God won't let you sleep. There'll be no peace. Now, folks, Philip Yancey in his book, Where's God When It Hurts, says that lepers lose their ability to feel pain, and pain is a good thing. If you put your hand in the fire, you pull it back, pain lets you know, hey, warning, warning, you better pull this away or greater destruction's going to occur. He says there's also the pain of the soul that's been implanted in every one of us by God so that when we continue to resist confession and come clean with who we are and what we've done, there is a fracture of pain of the soul designed to spur us on toward confession and repentance to let us know that if we keep going down this path, greater destruction will occur and our relationship with God will be lost. But you know the biggest problem with concealing folks is that if you're not right with God, you can't be right with anybody else. If you're not right with God, it's impossible. You may come into this room, I may not know you, and you may be successful for the next 20 years at hiding what you've done, concealing the, the addiction or the sin that, which you're presently involved. None of us may ever find out that you're having an affair, that you're sleeping with your boyfriend or your girlfriend to whom you're not married, that you're addicted to pornography, you've been embezzling money from the company, you've been lying to your parents. We may never find that out about you, but I can promise you this, as long as you hide it and conceal it and refuse to confess it, you will pay a high price, relationally speaking, and here's why. Do you know what all of us want more than anything else? We want to be fully known and still fully loved. We want somebody else to have all the goods on us and still love us. We, to know that Pastor Jeff is an angel fan and that takes me off. <laughs> to know that he's got some weird mannerisms. To know he talks so fast and I want to just jump on stage and say, slow down. To know that he dresses funny. He gets his clothes from obviously the same place. <laughs> I know you think that about me. I'm okay with To know he's got his so many issues and to still love Pastor Jeff. All of us want that more than anything else. And that will never happen as long as there's something in your life that you're not dealing with. It will not only affect your relationship with God, but with your wife, with your husband, with your family, with your children. We need to pause there for today. We'll continue this message next time. So join me then for more about the consequences of concealing sin rather than confessing our wrongdoings. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit is no deceit. Do you realize that David was called a man after God's own heart even after all this? Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.